Last week, we had kind of talked about time and chance, okay? And, and it was funny because, you know how much can change in a year's time? We was talking about that with the volunteers this morning, and, and at this time last year, so last Sunday was October the 23rd, and it was a year to the date that I was in the hospital, okay? Um, I got COVID real bad. Most of y'all know. Some of you may not. I don't know if you're new here or not, but, uh, but I got COVID real bad. October the 23rd, I went into the hospital. Seven days later, October the 30th, they had put me on a ventilator, which was today, a year ago, right? And it just so happened that this, you know, had fell out on two Sundays here, but it was a year ago that they had put me on a ventilator and then they airlifted me up to the University of Michigan Hospital and I was in there for 51 days. Um, Isn't that crazy? That how much can change in a, I mean, not even just a day or a week or a month, but in a, a year span, a year ago today, I had no idea what God had in store for our lives. Amen. I'm telling you, it was, I mean, crazy, crazy. Um, and I just look back and I reflect on it. Friday was my birthday. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, and it was funny because my wife had posted a couple of pictures we have, a, you know, on our Smith's page. And, and, and last year at this time, I was laid up in the hospital. And this year, we have a church. Can you believe that? <laughs> like, God is so cool. I am living proof that God uses the foolish things of this world. Amen? Amen. Um, I love you right back. But I, I, I just, it just blows me away. I just look back and, and just in a year's time. So I, I just, yeah, I love y'all. I love y'all. That's all I'm going to tell you. I love y'all. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are today, God. We thank you for life. We thank you, God, for Restoration Church. And I thank you for every single person that made this happen. God, I just pray, Father, that you move. Lord, that you just have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be here with you today. So y'all want to open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 27. Um, we are also on the, on the Version Bible app. Y'all know that as well. But we are in uh, Acts chapter 27 this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit because last week I had talked about time and chance. I talked about some of the things that have happened on October the 23rd and, and how we had ended up, you know, kind of here and, and what the Lord has spoke to us about. And today I want to talk to you kind of about this, this storm that, that the Apostle Paul and them were in, okay? And Acts chapter 27, I'm going to start reading with verse 17, but I want to tell you, they were in an awful, awful storm in this, in this chapter in Acts. They were in an awful, awful storm. And Paul is on a ship that's in a storm because they're out of the will of God. Okay? I, I'm not even going to ask y'all. I've lived outside the will of God, okay? And I have been through some awful, awful storms because of it, all right? And, and they, were, they were in this awful storm because they, they weren't supposed to go in this direction, the Lord had already spoke to them and told them not to go in this direction, and God warned them, but now they're, they're in this awful storm. So in verse 17, let's pick it up right here in Acts 27, verse 17. You can follow along. Um, like I said, we're on the version app. We've got um, the scriptures up here as well. But in verse 17, it says, when they had taken it on board, they used cables or braces. They used cables or braces to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. 
And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, and this is a tempest-tossed, they were in a, in a very strong windstorm. That's what that means. They were in a very strong storm. Because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. Verse 19 says, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard. And I like the fact, it says that they did it with their own hands. It says we threw it overboard with our own hands. Y'all see that? It says we threw it overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, it says no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Can I tell y'all something? All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. That is a dark place. Amen? That is a terrible situation to be in. Right? All hope that we would be saved was gone. This is bad. So then Paul stands up and he speaks in verse 21. He says, man, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred, incurred this disaster and loss. Verse 22, he says, now I urge you to take heart. Cheer up. That's what he's saying. He said, take heart. That means, that means to cheer up. He's saying to cheer up. Everybody say cheer up. Can now everybody say cheer up? Okay, that's better. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. He said, there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. And, and Paul goes on to tell them throughout these scriptures that he saw an angel. The angel had appeared to him and, and, and was telling him these things that he must be brought before Caesar and everyone on the ship would be saved. Okay? Everyone would be spared that was on the ship. They were tossed up and down the sea. They were getting ready to, uh, getting, getting closer to crashing, crashing into land, hitting and crashing on the rocks. For time's sake, go down to verse 29. It says, then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff or the lifeboat, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense, that means they were pretending to put out anchors from the stern. They were pretending to put out anchors from the prow. And then Paul said to the centurion to, to, uh, uh, regarding these soldiers, said, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Verse 29 says they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight to come. Apparently, one of the keys to surviving a storm is an anchoring. Amen? Apparently, surviving the storm is you have to be anchored properly. You have to be anchored right. I'm preaching today on what are you anchored to? What are you anchored to? Because it's a matter of time, I want to tell you, before everybody goes through a storm. Amen? Amen. Who am I preaching to this morning? I just started, and I've got one little amen. It's only a matter of time before we all go through the storm. And this is a true story. Listen to this. And it happened on March 27th of 2009. And this is a story about two NFL players and, and some of their friends. They had went out into the Gulf of Mexico, and one of them was a college football player who was getting ready to go pro and a couple of NFL players. And, and they were in the Gulf of Mexico, and they were in a tragic, tragic accident. They were fishing, and they were having fun, and a storm came. March 27, 2009. They saw it coming, and they had put their anchor out. And this is what the headline had said. It read this, and it was on the ESPN, you know, headline. It was in the news and all this stuff back, back several years ago. Does anybody remember that? Do I remember when this happened? You know what I'm talking about? The headline said the NFL players and their friends in the Gulf of Mexico had concluded 
that it was caused when the vessel was improperly anchored. Okay? The boat capsized, and the story ends by, by telling how the Oakland Raiders linebacker and how free agent, um, his name was Corey Smith, and a younger, uh, another young man from the University of South Florida, um, they were lost and killed. They died. Only one lone survivor stayed out there, and he was clinging on to, to this object that was floating out into the, to the sea and the ocean. He was, he was clinging on to this thing for two days, for two solid days, and he was the only one that had survived. And they end the story by saying this. Overall, it was just a mistake in anchoring. It was just a mistake in anchoring. So apparently, in the natural, guys, listen, anchoring is very important. I mean, it's, a, it's vital. It's vital. Um, is there anybody in here, and I know one, one of you, but is there anybody in here who, who knows about anchoring, who knows about, uh, yeah, who knows about how important it is to be properly anchored? And that's why the Scripture mentions here that, that they put four anchors out. They put four anchors out that would keep them from drifting too far into the rocks and into total disaster. You got to have your life. You got to have your family. You got to have your marriage anchored. Amen? It's got to be anchored. And I want to give you three things that Paul had instructed them to do when they're in the storm. He says, when you're in a storm, he said, when you're going through a storm in Acts 27, 17, if you look at this, he, he said this. He said, brace up. Brace up the ship. They see a storm coming. Listen, they see this storm coming, and they know it's going to get bad. And he says, you know, we're, we're about to enter into something. He said, we've got this storm coming. And he says, I'm telling you right now, you better brace up. Brace up the ship a little bit. Amen? Give it a little bit more reinforcements, okay? And the way they did this in the Bible days is a sailor would jump off the edge of a ship with this big, thick rope, this big, long rope. He would jump off the edge of the ship, and then he would have to swim up under the ship, and then he would come up the other side, and they would take the rope, and they would tie it off, okay? And then they would repeat this process over and over again, undergirding the ship. That's what they would do. They would, they would strap this thing up, and they would... It's, it's, it's undergirding the ship. They were embracing the ship. They were making it strong enough to handle the storm. Amen? They were embracing, undergirding the ship. And I believe that's a powerful instruction. When you understand this, when you understand that when you're, when you're going through a storm, brace up your mind with the Word of God. Amen? It's a powerful concept. Guys, the first thing you ought to do when you're hitting rough waters, when you're hitting that storm, you know, spiritually speaking, is you need to brace up your mind with the Word of God. Amen? You need to brace your mind up. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I was formed in my mother's womb, God called me and ordained me. He knew everything I would go through. And he's given me the faith I need to get to the other side. Amen? Brace your mind up. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, look at this. It says, it, it kind of, it braces you up, guys. Listen, it braces up your thoughts. It braces up your, your spiritual life. It braces everything up when you, when you declare this. I know the plans that you have for me. Amen? I know the plans you have for me. Brace yourself up with those words to, to give me good and not evil, a hope and a future. One translation, the CEV translation says you will have a future filled with hope. Amen? Brace your life up undergirds your life with the word of God. You need to hear, when you're going through the storm, you need to hear those things. To brace your life up, to undergird yourself with the word of God, you need to hear these things. You have to brace your mind up with the word of God. Amen. Because if you don't, I'm going to tell you right now, fear will take over. 
Worry will take over when you're going through the storm. Depression will take over. Discouragement will take over. Uh, disappointment will take over. So brace your life up in your mind and undergird your life with the word of God. Amen. Come on. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe, you're, maybe your month is longer than your money. Somebody got one amen. Maybe y'all don't have my bank account. Maybe your month is longer than your money. Build your financial world up with the word of God. Malachi 3.10 says God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't even have room enough to receive. Amen. I read this the other day. And this is a side note, okay? This is it's not, um, but I read this the other day. And, uh, and, and it's funny because I was reading in, in, in the Bible and it says, it said that Abraham, you know, you know his name in the Old Testament in, in the Bible was Abram. Y'all know that? His name was Abram. You know when he changed it? If you read it, he went to Melchizedek and paid his tithes. Come on. And God added to his name Ham. <laughs> if you're tired of spam, start paying your tithes and still on some ham. How about that? Amen? Come on now, that'll preach. Now that'll preach. You know that'll preach right there. Turn to somebody and say, you look like you've been on spam long enough. <laughs> Pay your tithes and God will give you some ham. It's Abraham. Come on, that's a funny joke right there. Like, oh, guys, I can't believe I came. Pastor's preaching about tithing and stuff. That's a funny joke right there. That's funny. Oh, come on. That was worth getting up and coming to church for right there, wasn't it? Huh? I'm glad I traded in my spam for God's ham on God's budget and God's plan. Amen. He's El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. Oh, my God is more than enough. That's right. He's El Shaddai. Come on. He'll supply your needs. Guys, listen. Brace up your life and, and, and with the word of God. Come on. Amen. Brace it up with the word of God. Secondly, Paul said this in Acts 27, verse 22. He said, cheer up. He said, take heart. Cheer up. Amen. When you're in a storm, it's not time to have a pity party. Amen. Cheer up a little bit. Cheer up a little bit. Hope must rule your heart. Control your attitude. Amen. Control your attitude. Cheer up. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I promise you it could be much, much worse. Amen. It could be much, much worse. You could be in a hospital. You could be dying. You could have a terrible disease. All kinds of other things. No matter how bad your storm is, it could always be worse. Just cheer up a little bit. Cheer up a little bit. Y'all get happy. Listen, the message of Christianity is victory, not victim. The message of Christianity is victory, not depression, not despair, not going through trials. The message of Christianity is victory, not victim. Amen. Come on. This is the faith that overcomes the world. That's what he said. This is the faith that overcomes the world. This is the faith that hell can't stop. Demons can't stop it. The message of Christianity is victory. You have an anchor that is stronger than the lies. You have an anchor that, that, that is stronger than anything that the enemy can bring against you. Amen. I'm telling you. So cheer up. 
Cheer up. Be of good cheer. That's what Paul said. He said, take heart. Be of good cheer. Cheer up right in the middle of the storm. Paul stands up and looks at him and says, cheer up a little bit, would you? Be of good cheer. That's what he said. He's leading you. The scripture says he's leading you from places to places in perpetual victory. That's worth clapping for right there. God is leading you from place to place in perpetual victory. Can you get that deep in your spirit this morning? That's what I want you to do. Get that deep in your spirit that he is leading you from victory to victory. Come on, God's not leading you to defeat. He's leading you to victory. He's leading you to perpetual victory. And don't you quit now. You undergird your life. You undergird everything you have with the word of God. You undergird your, your marriage, your business, your future, your finances. Undergird it with the word of God. Brace up, cheer up. Come on. Focus on what you have and strengthen what remains. Focus on what you have and strengthen what remains. Mm. Lastly, he said this in Acts 27. He said, verse 18 and 19, he said, lighten up. Lighten up a little bit. He said they began to lighten the load, listen to this, with their own hands. You follow me? He said, got it. He said, uh, they began to lighten the load with their own hands. He said, lighten up. The truth is, guys, listen, when you're going through a storm, you start picking up a bunch of stuff you don't need. You know that? As you go through life, apparently the Apostle Paul and, and all the people that were on this ship, they had stopped at all these different ports and they had stopped everywhere and they just started collecting a bunch of stuff that they didn't start the journey off with. And that's life. As you're going through life, you start, you start just picking stuff up. You start carrying stuff and, and before you know it, your life just gets full of stuff. Right? But the thing that a storm will do is the storm will come and it'll cause you to begin to see all the extra stuff that life has put on you. It'll cause to, to see all the extra stuff that you took on board that really don't even matter anyway. Amen? You take all this extra stuff that don't matter, the responsibilities, the distractions, the, from the main purpose of the call on your life, which is a life in Jesus Christ. Amen? You get all of this stuff that wants to distract you from the main purpose that God has called you for, and that is the purpose and a call in, in Jesus Christ. Come on. And so when you go through a storm, you, you start throwing. You start getting rid of stuff. You start throwing, and they said, with their own hands. Quit waiting on God to do everything for you. Said they start throwing stuff with your own hands. They, they, he says, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going through something, and I'm just going, here go. There goes the baggage of complaining. Come on, there goes the baggage of, of, of worry. There goes the baggage of, of, of fear and depression and, and all this stuff. Come on, there goes the baggage of the, the fear of failure in my life. There goes the baggage of unforgiveness. There goes the baggage of bitterness. Come on, somebody. There, start throwing stuff. Start getting rid of stuff with your own hands. You just start clearing stuff out because that's what the storm does. You got to unload when you're going through a storm and just get back to what's essential. Amen? You have to get back to what's essential, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. When you are going through a storm, because when it's all said and done, that baggage, all that over baggage, all that extra weight you've been carrying, it's going to sink your ship. It's going to sink your ship. 
The apostle Paul put it like this. He said, lay aside every weight that so easily besets you. Get rid of that stuff. Lay it aside. And I want to give you three things in my life, guys, that um, as I was telling you, it was a year ago. Um, three things in my life that, that when I start going through a storm, it was something that, that the Lord has spoke to me. And it's three things that the enemy tries to hit me with. Okay? And they're baggage that I have to lighten up. I always have to throw them over. Number one, number one, insufficiency. It's the voice of insufficiency. When I start going through a storm, I don't know why, but the enemy always wants to attack me with that spirit that says, you're insufficient. Insufficient means not good enough, not talented enough. You don't have enough money. No, but I got enough God. Amen. I got enough God. And if I got enough God, he'll take me places I've never dreamed of. He'll get me there. He'll take me to places. He'll send me where he wants me. And then he'll pay the bill. Insufficiency. Insufficiency. Come on. Get it off your boat. Get that thing out of there. Throw it off the boat. You're going to the other side. Amen. The voice of insecurity. I can't do it. I can't do this. I hear this little voice in my head sometimes. When I get in a storm, you're going to lose. It's that voice of insecurity. I, I know you can't do this. You're going to fail. The last one is the voice of insignificance. It's insignificance. I always hear that little voice. It says, no one really needs you. You're not that important. Come on. Mm. You're not right for the part. You just put yourself here. Insignificance. It's what it is. But when you hear those voices in the middle of the storm, that's God saying to you that I'm letting you go through this so you'll throw all of that stuff off of your boat and you can be who God has called you to be. I am letting you go through this so you can pick up and understand that you got all this extra baggage that you need to start throwing off of your boat. That's what he's saying. Be confident and bold. Courageous. Stand there in your faith. Stand there in your faith. Not in you, but in your anchor. And your anchor is Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, the boat doesn't keep itself in the storm. The boat doesn't keep itself in the storm. It's the anchor. It's the responsibility of the anchor. And Jesus is our anchor. He's our rock of ages. Come on. So everybody say, brace up. Cheer up. And I want you to lighten up. Somebody else say that again. Say, I want you to lighten up. There you go. Throw it off. Throw it off and keep moving in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Throw it off. Get rid of it. When people are anchored improperly, it will cost them their life. It will cost them their life. That's when the part of the Bible where, where the story says this, says they got to a certain place. And Paul said this, says we put out four anchors. We wanted to make sure that we were properly anchored. Look at 27, 29. Look at Acts 27, verse 29. It says, then fearing, lest we should run aground on the rocks. 
they dropped four anchors from the stern. Everybody say four anchors. And prayed for day to come. I want to give you those four anchors real quick this morning. Okay? The first anchor that will keep you afloat when you're going through a storm is the anchor of purpose. It's the anchor of purpose. I'm here for a purpose. My purpose is stronger than this storm. Come on. Your purpose does not change in a storm. Amen? Two things about purpose. Number one, purpose predates your conception. Look at Jeremiah 1.5. Look at this. Before I was in my mother's womb, you had a plan and ordained me to be a prophet. And you had a call on my life. So your purpose was greater than the conception that was in your mother's womb. So number one, your purpose predestines or predates your conception. Before you were in your mother's womb, he had a purpose for you. He had a call on your life. Amen. And secondly, your purpose was planned without your input. God said, this is why I'm going to put you on this earth. And he didn't even ask your opinion. I, he didn't ask your opinion. He put something in you that you don't even know about. Come on, y'all. It's unstoppable. As long as you are doing what God has called you to do, as long as you are doing what God has purposed you to do, he has put something in you that is unstoppable. Your purpose predates your conception, and God purposed you without your opinion. You got to focus on your purpose when you get in a storm, guys. Focus on it. Focus on the purpose. Just focus on what's ahead of you, not what you're going through. Can I tell you, losers focus on what they're going through. Champions focus on what they're going to. I'm, I'm telling you, losers focus on what they're going through, but champions focus on where they're going to. Don't focus on what you're going through. Focus on where you're headed. That's why Hebrews 12, look at verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. What made him, enabled him to make it through that, that crucifixion on that Friday afternoon, what was it? Come on, guys, what was he? It was what he was saying, it was his purpose. It says for the joy, for the, for the purpose that was set before him, he could endure the cross. He knew what was coming on the other side of that crucifixion. Amen. He was keeping his eyes on what he was going to, not what he was going through. It says for the joy that was coming, he endured the cross. And that's what you have to do. God has used sinners, God has used failures, but God cannot use a quitter. Amen. God has used sinners, God has used failures, but he cannot use a quitter. He can't. Focus on what you're going to, not what you're going through. You got to drop that anchor of purpose and you got to say, God put me here. God called me here. God put us together. God put me in this business. God is for us. God is not against us. He has given me a divine purpose. He has connected us together. I'll focus, and I promise you, I'll make it through this storm. I'm not going to talk about what I'm going through. I'm going to talk about where I'm going to. Will you clap your hands and shout if you believe it, that God called you for a purpose? He called you and put you here for a purpose. Amen. I'm not going to focus on what I'm going through. I'm going to focus on where I'm going to. 
The second anchor that you got to drop is the anchor of courage. When you get in a storm, you got the courage up. Amen. I'm telling you. That's why he told Joshua four times, be of good courage. In Joshua chapter 1, be of good courage, be of good courage, be of good courage. He told him four times, get some courage when the storm comes. Amen. Be somebody of great courage when you're going through a storm. You got the courage up just a little bit. We don't whine in the middle of a storm. We don't fall to pieces in the middle of a storm. We stand up and we jump up on our hind legs and we say, I've got Jesus with me and I'm going to make it through this storm. I'm going to courage up. Amen. I'm grieving. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm devastated. But in that moment, you either cowtail down and you just wither up or you stand up with the spirit of courage and you say, if God be for me, who can be against me? You stand up on your hind legs with courage. I'm going on. Courage. Courage. Everybody say courage. Courage Courage is the ability to finish the race even if you're in last place. Come on. Courage is standing up to your son or daughter when they want to date the cute guy or the cute boy and they feel like they're in love. I'm looking at my kids right now. When you know deep down in your soul that it's a very devastating thing for them. (laughs) That's courage. Courage is forgiving a friend after they let you down. Courage is loving a husband in the midst of a financial crisis that he caused or loving your wife in the midst of a crisis that she caused. Courage keeps on. Courage is refusing to let cancer steal your smile. It's refusing to let cancer steal your joy. But you go in there, you take that chemotherapy with an incredible attitude of courage that says, you know what? I'm just believing that God's not through with me yet and I'm going to come in here, sir, and I'm going to win this cancer and I'm going to fight with this chemotherapy and God ain't done with me yet and I'm here with a purpose and I have courage. Amen. Amen. Drop the anchor of courage. You drop that anchor of purpose. And my purpose is greater. Listen, my destiny is greater than my dilemma. Mm. God is going to take me through to the other side. Come on, I just believe it. I just believe it. Can you shout amen if you believe it? Amen. Amen. Come on. Now there's a better shout than that. Try again. Amen. Amen. Courage is trying again. (laughs) Courage is dreaming again. Courage is saying I will not quit. I'm going to keep going. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing it in spite of fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid, but here I go. Here I go. Don't lose sight of the shore in the middle of your storm. Amen? And there's a, a third anchor that I, that I think is really important, and this was one that had really helped us when, when a year ago, actually, um, it speaks to my life um, and my wife because it's been one of the keys for us. And that's the anchor of worship. That's for my guy over here who's hiding behind the curtain. There he is. It's the anchor of worship. When I was in that intensive care unit, I was on a ventilator and my wife is playing worship songs over us. She's a, anointing the whole daggum room with oil. And all this stuff and, every, and the, the, the doctors and the nurses and everybody's worshiping Jesus as they're coming in and out and they're all crying. And, and worship, I'm telling you, 
was, was a really big one for us. And, and I want to tell you, when, when you get into a storm, you're not called to be a bunch of whiners. Amen? And that, this, listen, we don't whine about how bad and how dark our storm is. Worship. Not whining. Worship is the anchor. Worship is what we do in the storms. Amen? Come on. Ooh, it's what Christians do. You see, we don't worship him for who he, for, for what he's done or, or what he's, what he's going to do. We don't worship him for what he's allowed us to go through. We worship him just for who he is. That's what Christians are supposed to do. We just worship him for who he is, and you, you begin to worship God. And I want to tell you, worship is where the answers will come. Amen? Worship is where the victory will come. Worship is where your breakthrough is going to come. Guys, listen, do not let the enemy steal your worship. Because worship is where you're going to find the answers and you're going to find the victory. Drop the anchor of worship. And you say, well, we're not going to church this morning. Why, why would we go to, to church this morning? This is, you know, we've had the worst week ever. Let me tell you something. That's when you really need to be here. That's when you really need to be here, standing in a house of worship. Drop the anchor of worship and say, ain't nothing going to stop me from going to church. There ain't nothing going to stop me from worshiping my God. Come on, y'all. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I don't want a little golf clap. Y'all better give God some worship with a clap. How about that? Can we give God some, some worship with a clap? I want somebody to act like I'm preaching the truth because here's the thing about this. Some of you know well, I'm not in a storm right now. This point don't apply to me. It's just a matter of time. And then that's going to mean something to you. I promise you. Well, I'm not in a storm. This don't mean nothing to me. Yes, it's just a matter of time, brother. I promise you. And then this right here is going to mean something to you. This is going to mean something to you. One more anchor. One more anchor. We'll be out of here. When you get in a storm, you got to be anchored. Listen, guys, this is so, so important. You got to be anchored to the church. You got to be anchored to the church. When I was thinking about this message, I thought about my life after getting saved. Come on. I don't want to think about it prior to Jesus. Because <clears throat> it was hell. <laughs> Say hell in church. Say hell in church. <clears throat> think about my life after getting saved. Let's say that this pulpit right here is the anchor, right? And I throw my anchor over here. And I throw it over here and I'm connected to this pulpit right here, this anchor. It's connected to Jesus Christ. And I'm connected to the rock that can't be moved. I'm connected to the rock of ages. I'm connected to Jesus Christ, right? And I want to tell you something about temptation. I want to tell you something in general just about life. You start to drift. You just start to drift. And I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. Listen, not... You're, you're, you're never going to be this close to the presence of God all the time. It's not going to happen. You start to drift. And you start to drift. And, and listen, it, you, it's not that you're really necessarily doing anything wrong, right? But you just start to drift. But you can only drift so far. And you start feeling that tug back. Come on, y'all. Come on, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Huh? 
eight more feet, you might have drifted right into alcoholism or drug addiction or pornography or something like that. But I'm telling you, you're hooked. You're anchored to Jesus, and you can start to drift, but you can only drift so far in temptation. You can only drift so far into life before you start feeling that tug back. Amen? You start feeling that tug back because you're anchored to the rock of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. Listen, you've got to be anchored to Jesus. Come on. You can only go so far. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, look, you come here and you only come. That's how you know you're saved. That's how you know you're saved. If you ain't saved, you're going to be gone one day and you're going to be running around out here doing all kind of crazy stuff. But if you're saved, I promise you my life before Jesus and now I feel that tug back a little bit. You can only go so far. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Come on. You're anchored to Jesus. And just when you start, it'll pull you back. It'll start pulling you back. You'll, you'll start feeling that tug. Start feeling that tug back to Jesus. It's so important. It's so important, guys, when you, when you have problems. Don't run from church. Run to the church. Come on, y'all. I got one amen out of that. I don't care where you go to church. You better run to the church when you're having problems. You better not run from it. You better be anchored to something. Amen? Come to church. We ain't a bunch of perfect people. I can see y'all. We ain't a bunch of perfect people. And sometimes the one with the microphone's got some major issues. I'm telling you right now. My wife's like, mm-hmm. We ain't a bunch of perfect people. Come on, we've all messed up. We don't run from church. You better drop your anchor and you better say, this is my church. This is my Jesus. I'm anchored and I can only go so far before I start feeling pulled back because you can't forget what you, you can't unlearn what you learn. You can't unknow what you know. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You cannot get away from that. No matter how hard you try, you say, oh, and you feel it pulling you back. Who am I talking to? You can't. It's really, 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 really is a powerful anchor. Got to be anchored to the church. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says this. About done. Two immutable things. Two immutable things. When you're in a storm, number one, that is impossible for God to lie. The one you're connected to cannot lie. He cannot lose. And he cannot fail. Amen? He cannot fail. Watch this. I want to show you this in verse 19. It says this hope. Everybody say hope. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul. This hope we have is a what? It's an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. If you read the next verse, it tells you what's behind the veil. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to hear this. Let's pretend that, that this right here is the veil. He said, pretend it right here is the veil, and you take that anchor, and here's a veil, and there's a veil that's up right here, okay? And, and, and he says, back behind that veil is the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the Old Covenant, right? Which represents Jesus Christ. Amen? You got me? Represent Jesus. He said, I have an anchor of hope. And this is very interesting. 
He said, this hope that I have as an anchor, he says, I take it. And do you know, do you know that hope is the smallest form of faith? Do you know that? I don't even have faith enough to believe that this is going to work out. I don't even have faith enough to believe. I just hope so. I just hope so. You know, hope is the smallest form of faith. I just hope so. And he says, I take this hope. He said, I take this hope, which is an anchor. Look, and he takes this hope and he says, I cast it out past the veil. This hope. And something beautiful happens because our faith in midair transforms our hope into an anchor. Come on. And it goes behind the veil and it attaches to Jesus Christ. Come on. You hear what I'm saying to you? He says, you cast out. And when I take my hope, he says, and it catches on, it latches on to Jesus, my high priest, who is my provider, who is my healer, who is my deliverer. He says, I cast it out and it latches on to him. And whatever comes against me, he says, I'm latched on to Jesus. He, whatever comes against me, look at this in Romans 8, 39. Whatever comes against me, he says, nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Because I'm anchored to it. I'm anchored to it with my soul. I'm anchored to it. I'm anchored to Jesus Christ and nothing can separate me from the love of God. Failure can't separate me. Mess up can't separate me. Temptation can't. Discouragement can't. Death can't. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Because you're attached. You're anchored to it. You're anchored to it. You're forever attached. So you can only drift so far. Come on, y'all. Nothing. Nothing. Listen. You can drift. You may have trials. You may have bad times. You may have bad days. You may have things that you go through. But nothing. You are forever attached. Nothing. Nothing can separate you. Come on. Can you give God a shout right there? Mm, hallelujah. Woo, that's victory. That's a blessing. When you know he's got me, nothing can separate me from the God who's got a call on my life. He knows the number of hairs that are on my head. Nothing can separate me. He's for us today. Everyone in this room, stand to your feet this morning. If you've been drifting, maybe you need an anchor for your soul this morning. Come on. Today's the day you can take your hope. Today is the day you can take your little piece of hope. I hope I can quit. I hope I can get better. I hope God heals me. I hope for change to come. Today is the day you can take your hope and you can cast it out and latch it on to Jesus. Amen. Cast it beyond the veil and attach it to Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. Let's bow our heads for prayer. And he says, once you do that, he said, I'll never let you go. 
once you cast that out and that anchor attaches to Jesus, he said, I'll never let you go. Nothing can separate you from me. And if that's you this morning and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me this morning. I'm, I'm struggling. I, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you right now, just raise your hand all across this room. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Let's be reverent right now. We see those hands. We see them. We see them there. We see them. Yeah, I see those hands. God, more importantly, God sees them. And say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be an anchor for my soul. Come into my heart, Jesus, and change me. Make me into the person you want me to be. Mm. I thank you that I have hope. Thank you for giving me life in the midst of my storms. In Jesus' mighty name. And Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person that raised their hands in here this morning. God, I ask, Father, right now that you bless them. Father, we thank you, Lord. God, that you sent Jesus here right now. Lord, in this place, in this room. Lord God, to touch the hearts. Father, to touch the souls and to touch the minds of your people, God. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' mighty name that you bless every single person under the sound of my voice, God. Father, that maybe they've drifted. Maybe they've drifted just a little too far. God, Father, that you are pulling them back right now in Jesus' name. Father, that they are attached to the rock of ages. They are attached to the rock of our salvation, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you. And we give you all the praise and honor, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.